Section 6 of Examining the U.S. Capitol Attack by the U.S. Senate. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Section 6. USCP was not prepared for the attack on the Capitol, hampering its response. Despite the information IICD possessed, officials have stressed that none of it suggested a large, coordinated attack on the Capitol. Mr. Sun testified that the siege of the Capitol was not the result of poor planning by USCP, but rather a, quote, lack of accurate and complete intelligence across several federal agencies, unquote. Ms. Pittman agreed, quote, the intelligence wasn't there to suggest that thousands of people, insurrectionists, were going to breach the United States Capitol attacking law enforcement officers. I believe the intelligence did advise that we should anticipate violence, that some of the violence would be directed toward the Capitol, toward Congress. But to say that any law enforcement agency in the National Capital Region had intelligence that said that tens of thousands of people were going to attack law enforcement on January 6th, I think that it's accurate to say that no law enforcement agency had that. She stressed that USCP was prepared for a significant likelihood of violence. Despite Mr. Sun's and Ms. Pittman's claims, in addition to the deficiencies in USCP's handling of available intelligence, there were also deficiencies in USCP's operational planning and response efforts. Both Ms. Pittman and Mr. Sun told the committees that USCP made a number of adjustments to its operational posture for January 6th in light of available intelligence. Yet USCP leadership did not prepare a USCP-wide security or staffing plan. USCP officers were also not trained, equipped, or staffed to respond to the attack. Many rank-and-file officers have expressed concerns about USCP's lack of preparations for the joint session. As one summarized, quote, we were ill-prepared. We were not informed with intelligence. We were betrayed. We were abandoned by all the deputy chiefs and above that day. We still have not been told where exactly the chiefs were that day and what their role was on the 6th. USCP needs to address the 6th open and honestly. The chiefs need to be held accountable. They need to be under investigation for failure to supervise and failure to take police action, unquote. Another officer stated, quote, 1-6 was not only a result of a few months of intelligence not being analyzed and acted upon, but more so decades of failing to take infrastructure, force protection, emergency planning, and training seriously, unquote. A. USCP lacked detailed operational plans for January 6. 1. USCP did not prepare a department-wide operational plan. USCP did not prepare a department-wide operational plan for January 6. Prior to January 6, Mr. Sund believed USCP would need support to secure the Capitol perimeter. 
in light of the large number of expected protesters at the Capitol, and he had informal discussions with the House and Senate sergeants-at-arms concerning National Guard assistance. One USCP inspector noted the significance of these discussions, as he was not aware of National Guard assistance at the Capitol having been discussed since the September 11, 2001 terrorist attacks. Despite these concerns, Mr. Sund did not direct the creation of a department-wide operational plan for January 6. Ms. Pittman told the committees that USCP creates department-wide plans for large events, but no such plan was prepared for the January 6 joint session. When asked to explain why no such plan was created, Ms. Pittman stated that it would have been the chief of police's responsibility to request that operational commanders prepare such a plan and that she could not explain why the then chief of police chose not to do so before January 6th. The USCP inspector general noted, quote, USCP did not have policies and procedures in place that communicated which personnel were responsible for operational planning, what type of operational planning documents USCP personnel should prepare, or when USCP personnel should prepare operational planning documents, unquote. The most comprehensive description of USCP's operational plans for the joint session was a four-page document prepared for USCP leadership to brief members about security enhancements, or leadership briefing document. The leadership briefing document described at a high level the intelligence information informing USCP's security preparations. One, the March for Trump rally on the Ellipse and a Stop the Steal event planned on Capitol grounds were, quote, expected to draw thousands, unquote. Two, members of the Proud Boys and Antifa were expected to attend. Three, hotels were reporting a 60 to 100 percent increase in bookings and four, USCP was tracking social media posts encouraging attendees to be armed. Based on this information, USCP's security preparations for January 6th included restricting the Capitol buildings and plaza to members, staff, and visitors on official business, deploying bike racks, increasing exterior patrols, posting additional officers at barricades, tunnels, and other select locations within the Capitol complex, activating seven civil disturbance platoons, enhancing protection for congressional leadership teams, and placing the investigations division into an all-hands-on-deck posture and having USCP analysts working 24-7 all week. Two, Division-specific operational plans were not detailed. Although USCP did not prepare a department-wide plan, at least two entities created division-specific plans, the Uniformed Services Bureau, or USB, and the CDU. Neither document laid out in detail 
staffing, or officer assignments for the joint session. For example, the two-page USB operational posture document described certain, quote, beyond routine in-session COVID posts and staffing, unquote. It stated that there would be increased exterior patrols and officers stationed at particular traffic barricades and other office building locations. The operational plan, however, did not describe the overall numbers of officers on duty on January 6, where these officers would be stationed, the officers' responsibilities, the command and control system for January 6, or any contingencies in the event of emergencies. The CDU began preparing a joint session operation plan as early as December 28, 2020, and finalized the plan on January 5, 2021. Among other items, the 17-page plan contained sections on command and control, mission objectives, staffing plan, deployment strategies, and directives on use of force and crowd management tactics. The CDU operational plan also included a section on tactical response, counter-sniper overwatch, which highlighted the deployment of the Containment Emergency Response Team, or CERT, described as an eight-person counter-assault ground team staged around the Capitol complex. The CDU operational plan, however, was not informed by the January 3rd special assessment. The CDU's operation plan's description of expected protests stated that the, quote, protests slash rallies are expected to be similar to the previous million mega march rallies, unquote, in contrast to the differentiating details included in the January 3rd special assessment. The CDU operational plan also stated that, quote, at this time, there are no specific known threats related to the joint session of Congress, unquote, but did not specifically acknowledge or reference the January 3rd special assessment's warning that, quote, Congress itself is the target, unquote. The CDU plan contained no detail concerning the significance of the threat, apart from noting that the protests were expected to be similar to previous million MAGA marches, which ended in clashes between protesters and resulted in individuals being charged with assault with a dangerous weapon, assault on police, simple assault, weapons violations, riotous acts, and destruction of property disorderly conduct, resisting arrest, and crossing a police line. When asked to reconcile the CDU operational plan statement regarding, quote, no specific known threats, unquote, and the January 3rd special assessment's overall conclusions, Ms. Pittman emphasized the word specific, arguing that, quote, for an intelligence analyst, it is in terms of the who, where, when, and how, unquote, and that much of the information in IICD's possession was raw information that needed to be vetted. However, Ms. Pittman insisted that USCP made security enhancements based on the information contained in the January 3rd special assessment, 
including increasing the number of CDU platoons available for January 6th. Notably, USCP did not coordinate between its protective and intelligence operations and its uniformed operations. When asked if she thought it was odd that no department-wide plan was prepared for the joint session, Ms. Pittman explained that in her role as Assistant Chief for the Protective and Intelligence Operations, she was commonly not involved in planning and operations. For example, the postings of officers within the USB was between the Chief and the Assistant Chief for Uniformed Services. Ms. Pittman was not consulted. Ms. Pittman also acknowledged that CDU did not consult IICD when drafting its operational plan. 3. USCP did not document a comprehensive staffing plan for January 6th. A department-wide operational plan should have detailed the number of sworn officers on duty for the joint session, where those officers would be positioned, and the command and control plan. USCP, however, did not prepare a staffing plan prior to January 6th. As noted above, USCP employed 1,840 officers on January 6th. Ms. Pittman told the committees that USCP was in an, quote, all-hands-on-deck, unquote, posture that day. One inspector, however, clarified that leave was not canceled for officers and described that staffing was at standard levels. Documents provided to the committees reflect that USCP had 1,214 sworn officers on site at 2 p.m. on January 6, and 1,457 sworn officers on site across the entire 24-hour period. Although USCP conveyed the overall number of officers on site, it could not explain where these officers were located or the breakdown of officers by division. Ms. Pittman acknowledged that she did not know where officers were posted throughout the day, aside from that they were deployed throughout the campus. USCP has no official record listing the exact number of sworn officers that were posted in or around the Capitol building when those positions were attacked. The most detailed response USCP could provide to the committees was that, quote, of those officers in the Uniformed Services Bureau, approximately 195 were assigned to interior or exterior posts at the U.S. Capitol, and 276 were assigned to the department's seven CDU platoons, unquote. USCP was only able to account for the location of 417 officers. It could not account for the remaining 797 officers. USCP was also unable to show how many officers were remissioned or called in to reinforce other positions throughout the day. As noted above, the division-specific operational planning and briefing documents did not mention the total number of officers and their assigned locations, with one exception. 
they both referenced the number of CDU personnel activated for January 6. Notably, each contained a different figure. The USB operational posture document listed 242 officers, as well as 29 lieutenants, sergeants, and acting sergeants for a total of 271 CDU personnel. The CDU operational plan, by contrast, listed 233 CDU personnel activated for January 6. The leadership briefing document circulated on January 5th referenced 236 CDU officers. In explaining the discrepancies, one USCP official explained to the committees, quote, it's common practice on CDU to not know how many people you have until the day of. So while there may not be a document from before that reflects the number, unquote, USCP documents the number after the fact. B. USCP officers were not trained or equipped to defend against the January 6th attack. Even with the security enhancements USCP implemented for January 6th, the officers on duty were unprepared to defend themselves and the Capitol on January 6th. One security enhancement was to activate, quote, the largest number of CDU platoons possible, unquote, seven platoons, four of which were hard platoons. Four was the maximum number of hard platoons USCP could staff because it included all the officers trained in the tactics and equipment of hard platoons. Only officers in hard platoons received training on how to, quote, handle more aggressive riot type of situations, unquote. According to the USCP Inspector General, Quote, the majority of hard platoon CDU officers, however, have not completed the annual refresher training during the past few years, unquote. And recent USCP recruits did not complete the usual required 40 hours of civil disturbance training. Hard platoon officers were provided additional protective gear, including helmets, hardened plastic gear, and shields, among other equipment. According to Mr. Sund, USCP took a number of steps to outfit CDU personnel with additional hard gear and enhanced access to the property management division in the event officers needed replacement uniforms or equipment and vehicle services. Mr. Sund further testified to efforts he made to improve officer access to protective equipment in the year prior, stating, quote, During my time as the chief, I had directed enhancements to the protective equipment being issued to our sworn employees. In 2020, I directed the procurement of riot helmets for all of the sworn members of USCP. Prior to this time, riot helmets were only issued to members assigned to USCP's civil disturbance units. The delivery of the helmets from the manufacturer had been delayed over the past several months due to the effects of COVID-19, but we had been pushing for delivery by the inauguration. 
As helmets became available, we pushed for their expedited delivery due to the upcoming demonstration, and approximately 104 of the helmets were delivered on Monday, January 4th, unquote. Despite the arrival of approximately 100 new helmets on January 5th, the USCP Inspector General found that CDU was, quote, operating at a decreased level of readiness as a result of a lack of standards for equipment, unquote. USCP officers, for example, were given defective riot shields that had been improperly stored and, as a result, shattered upon impact. Not only was certain equipment defective, but USCP did not authorize CDU officers to wear the gear at the beginning of their shift. The CDU operational plan required that protective gear be pre-staged in proximity to the platoon's staging locations. Then the CDU field commander would instruct officers to retrieve that gear, quote, depending on the presence of countergroups and the reported interactions between the opposing groups, unquote. In at least one instance, USCP protective shields were locked in a bus during the riot so that a CDU platoon was unable to access them, and as a result, the platoon was required to respond to the crowd without the protection of their riot shields. USCP also did not authorize its CDU forces to use all available less-than-lethal munitions. This included grenade launchers and stingball grenades that USCP officials acknowledge may have enhanced CDU's ability to push back the rioters. The CDU plan only authorized the use of the FN-303 system and pepper balls. When asked why additional, less-than-lethal munitions in USCP's possession were not authorized, Ms. Pittman explained that USCP did not have sufficient personnel trained to deploy those various types of weapons systems. The training and equipment requirements applied to fewer than 300 of the 1,200 officers on duty during the height of the attack. The remaining 900 officers had even less training and equipment to defend themselves and the buildings and individuals they are sworn to protect. Officers in soft platoons, or those not in the CDU, received some basic CDU training when they first joined the force. Consequently, the officers may have gone years since receiving any formal CDU training. In terms of equipment, the officers were outfitted in their regular uniforms. Officers stationed at security posts in Capitol office buildings and around the security perimeter, also had, quote, OC spray as well as batons available to them. Whether or not those officers actually had it on, someone would have to physically look at them and see, unquote. C. USCP leaders failed to communicate with frontline officers during the attack. USCP uses an incident command system or ICS, to respond to any occurrence or event that requires a response to protect life or property. 
the USCP's Incident Command System Directive, which was last updated in October 2018, defines the command system as that for, quote, command, control, and coordination of a response that provides a means to coordinate the efforts of individuals and agencies as they work toward the common goal of stabilizing an incident while protecting life, property, and environment, unquote. One of the primary rationales for using the ICS is to, quote, increase the efficiency of incident management and allow for rapid and seamless integration with stakeholders, military command, and other government partners, unquote. The ICS provides that USCP will implement an incident action plan that includes the overall incident objectives and the strategies to, quote, ensure incident objectives are met, unquote. Incident objectives are based on realistic expectations of what can be accomplished when all allocated resources have been effectively deployed. As noted above, USCP did not prepare a department-wide operational plan prior to January 6th. USCP also did not document incident objectives for the joint session. Mr. Sun testified that he and others established the following priorities for other agencies. One, secure the perimeter and foundation of the Capitol. And two, assist USCP in removing unauthorized persons from the Capitol and conduct a top-to-bottom sweep of the building to ensure no unauthorized persons or hazardous devices remained in the building, unquote. While the Incident Command System Directive generally describes the role of the different divisions in the ICS, it does not detail how an ICS is established or how it operates during an incident. It does not detail how incident commanders should communicate priorities, strategies, or tactics to frontline officers. According to Mr. Sund, in advance of January 6th, there were two designated incident commanders. One was to monitor the Capitol grounds, and the other was to monitor the Capitol building, including the joint session. Mr. Sund further explained that these incident commanders were responsible for communicating with frontline officers via one of two radio channels, one for each commander. Designating incident commanders as those who are to be issuing directions is intended to reduce confusion and provide the most direct information. One of the officers identified to the committees as a designated incident commander was listed in the CDU operational plan. The other officer, however, is not specified in any document provided to the committees as having been formally designated as an incident commander prior to January 6th. According to that officer, the designation would have been made in a department-wide operational plan. According to information provided to the committees, officers received little to no communication from senior officers during the attack, and at no point did USCP leadership take over the radios to communicate with frontline officers. 
As one officer noted, quote, there was very little direction, if any, provided by ranking members of the USCP throughout the whole day. Mid-level and senior leadership was providing very little, if any, direction. I felt like I was alone, and I felt like I had to make my own decisions, unquote. Another officer explained, quote, I was horrified that no deputy chief or above was on the radio or helping us. For hours, the screams on the radio were horrific. The sights were unimaginable, and there was a complete loss of control. For hours, no chief or above took command and control. Officers were begging and pleading for help, for medical triage, unquote. One officer publicly stated, we heard nothing that day. And another officer reported, we were on our own, totally on our own. Ms. Pittman attributed the lack of communication to the incident commanders being overwhelmed and engaging with rioters, rather than issuing orders over the radio. Despite incident commanders being overwhelmed, USCP leadership never took control of the radio to communicate with responding officers. Officers did not recall hearing Mr. Sund on the radio at any point during the attack, and only recalled hearing Ms. Pittman once when she ordered a lockdown of the Capitol building at 2 p.m. The Capitol Police Labor Committee explained that Inspector Tom Lloyd issued the lockdown order an hour prior to Ms. Pittman doing so, and, based on information provided to the committees, Ms. Pittman's later statement came without any further direction. Chad Thomas, Assistant Chief of Police for Uniformed Operations, reportedly told officers he tried but was unable to get on the radio to communicate to officers. Neither Mr. Sund nor Ms. Pittman provided an explanation for why USCP leadership did not directly communicate with officers. One officer attributed this failure to a lack of operational experience among USCP leadership and suggested that the promotion process at USCP should be re-evaluated. In the absence of communication, officers lacked clarity about whether to respond to calls for all available units. An officer reported hearing a lieutenant repeatedly ask over the radio, quote, does anybody have a plan? Unquote. End of section six.